Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. You are now tuned in to the Roto Experts. Rise and shine, fantasy players. It is a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Thursday, June 14th. Let's cockadoodle do it. This is Roto Experts in the morning right here on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network. I am your host, Dane Martinez. They call me Speeds, the spitting statistician. We are my man, FSWA Hall of Famer, the King, Scott Angle, as well as always. Scotty, not as dreary over by me as it's been the last couple of days. The sun is shining. I'm feeling good, about to slide into the weekend. I'm feeling happy. How you doing, Scott? Feeling busy, getting ready to launch you know, the exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package. Yeah, absolutely. We got the exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package coming on. I have more and more questions on my Twitter timeline about fantasy football. Things are getting started, whether it's the U.S. Open or the major today at Shinnecock, the World Cup out there in Russia. A lot of stuff going on. But, Scott, I want to start. Listen, and you may not think about this. I want to start with the Seattle Mariners, Scott. You know, I feel like they are not getting the praise that they deserve. Everyone is talking about the Houston Astros in that division. Everyone assumes that the Angels are going to be there as well. Don't look now. The Seattle Mariners are like seven up on the Angels. They are even ahead of the Astros right now. Mitch Hanniger with a walk-off home run. They win eight to six. Scott, this Seattle team is hanging around longer than most people thought. Hanniger truly blossoming into a stud. Yeah, Hanniger's putting up some great power and RBI numbers right now. Uh, you know, there was the story yesterday about Robinson Cano. They don't even yeah. know if he's going to play second base coming down the stretch. But they've been they've been getting some unlikely unlikely starting pitching. Uh, Marco Gonzalez, you know, right. with with, uh, with another good start yesterday. Uh, I don't I don't think that uh, a lot of people have actually expected you know guys like that to really give you any decent fantasy numbers, you know, talk about the, both the Mariners and fantasy players right now. Uh, you know, D. Gordon was on the DL for a little while. They survived. They survived a slow start by Nelson Cruz, who is really starting to rip it up lately. Uh, you know, Nelson Cruz has really come on after a slow home start. of the year. Gene Segura is one of the most unheralded players in baseball right now. Hitting 347 with five home runs. 42 RBIs and 14 stolen bases. 
Uh, Denard Spann, who came over in the trade, has been really solid. He's hitting three eighteen. He also has, uh, you know, not much in the way of counting numbers, but he certainly he certainly doesn't hurt you uh, whatsoever. And you know, Ryan Healy, who you, you and I have right. talked a lot about. Uh, the batting average is there, but too. the guy's got a, on pace to hit over thirty plus homers. And then from the uh, from the pitching perspective, you know, like I said, you know, Wade LeBlanc is another guy that mm-hmm. you know he's got a he got two fifty one opposing batting average against a one twenty two uh, whip and a two six and uh, he's got a, a, a three point three point zero zero ERA. And of course, James Paxton is has lived up to all the expectations, which, uh, you know, which which uh, was certainly considerable coming into this season. But I think offensively, I think Nelson Cruz is uh, picking it up recently, though, has, has been a big key for them. Yeah, absolutely. Nelson Cruz, Cruz hits his 16th home run of the season yesterday. We talk about Hanniger. We talk about Segura, underrated. D. Gordon, a hit machine, as usual, getting contributions from guys like Ryan Healy, like Denard Spann, who came over. Remember, this team also bolstered the back end of their bullpen, Scott, trading for uh, Colome about, a, at yep. this point, about three weeks ago. Edwin Diaz has looked rock solid as a closer. This team, I think, you know, they could sustain themselves a little bit longer than people think. The Mariners now are 20 games over 500. Scott, I heard the same thing as you. Like, you know, when when Robinson Cano does come back after the 80 games, right, I believe that's going to be sometime in August, this team may be making a stretch run. Where do you put them? You know, Gordon's at second base. You got Hanniger in center, so Gordon can't go back there. You acquired Denard Spann already. You're not going to just move Cano to DH because you have the aforementioned Nelson Cruz there. I mean, it's sort of a good problem to have. But where do you think Cano goes when uh when 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 he comes back? Do they where do they find the spot for him? Do they try and make him play third base as an aging guy with less range? Maybe. I don't think you. Yeah, that. So what do you do? Career, you where are you going to put him? Third base. Uh, where are you going to put him? Make him learn a new position. You know, with his age and where are you, you going to put you him? Don't then? Know if he, you don't know if he has has the arm. Uh, I think it becomes he becomes kind of a utility guy depending on how how healthy he is. I mean, you look at the depth chart right now in the outfield. You got Span in left. You got Haradian center, and you got Kaniger in right. Kaniger's not coming out. Right. Segura's not coming out. I don't uh, think Span is either. But Haradian center field, it's you know that's something that like I think it would make sense. Ben Gamble has played D. well. D Gordon back in center field. Otherwise, you're not moving Kyle Seager off a of third base. That's not happening. All so, right, they, they like Ben Gamble also though. But yeah, Ben Gamble's going to play the outfield though. Right, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying yeah. this outfield has people already. Like it's hard to just move Gordon back to the outfield when you have Hanniger, you have Span, you have Gamble. Yeah, but you have Gil Haredi in center field though. Yeah, but Hanniger could play center field. Like the, you know, you got you got you have Span, Hanniger, and Gamble to me are three outfielders even above Heredia. I don't okay, think so Span is a lock to play every day I mean, though. All right, fair enough. They did trade him. I mean, it's a good problem. It's one of those good problems to have, Scott. Yeah, I just I heard the same thing as you. It's going to get a little complicated because you definitely will want to find the spot for Robinson Cano in the lineup, and you can't. You just can't just shove him at DH because they already have Nelson Cruz there. Good problems to have for the Seattle Mariners, who are now twenty games 
over 500. Listen, I really, Scott, I really don't have uh, an answer about where, where you put the guy. It's going to be interesting, you know, because, I mean, Nelson Cruz certainly has that DH spot. But I, I don't understand know if, the, I don't know if the Span is going to be the kind of – look, he's played well. Right. Uh, I, think he's, I think he's been underrated in terms of – in terms of uh, what he's produced so far, in terms of timeliness, et cetera. And he's a good veteran to have. But, uh, you know, maybe this is just lip service, you know, from the front office because, to me, it makes more sense to put D. Gordon in center field. Right. Then you have Gamble and Haniger on the corners, and you have Spain as the fourth outfielder. The fourth you, outfielder. Got, you have Cano in there. You know, maybe maybe Gordon bon- bounces back and forth. That's uh, possible. You know, Segura gets a day off here and there, but yeah, uh, DH, you're not going to move Nelson Cruz. You're not moving so. Nelson Cruz, I'll tell you yeah. that right Is now. Is this team going to make a deal? You know, you don't you know, know that either. That's interesting. They could be another team. Like you said, they could make a deal. You know, um, we talked. They've already made a deal. They've already made two deals, Scott. You know, they've acquired Span and they've acquired Colome already, you know. So they are going for it. They are 20 games over 500. I guess, you know, sometimes, and we think about this with, like, pitching rotations too, right? When they're like, oh, my God, this team has six starters. How are they going to fit them all? And inevitably, someone will get banged up, you know. God forbid, knock on wood. But someone, you know. Cano still is not coming back for another two months. So in that time, you know, maybe uh, these things have a way of figuring them out. But, Scott, I thought you'd be impressed with me. I started, uh, you know, on the West Coast instead of in New York. And, listen, there are definitely stories with both teams in New York. You don't get any further West Coast than Seattle. So Uh, That's what I'm saying. I think that's a good job. And I I also failed to – Failed to mention Mike Leake, who's been pitching really well late, lately, too. But Leake yeah, has and- a tendency to pitch well for stretches and then start getting bombs. So you kind of yeah. worry about that. Absolutely. I could see them going ahead and maybe trying to bolster that pitching staff. But the offense is there. You know, and all this, we're talking about all these guys. Remember, even a guy like who we mentioned, Ryan Healy, he can get hot. He's hit something like four home runs in his last three games. So, you know, don't don't be surprised if the Mariners continue to threaten. All right, Scott. Yeah. I got and, uh, do it, Cruz, Cruz has five in his last five. Yeah, so they are they are yeah. certainly performing well. I got to do it now, though, Scott. I'm sorry. I got to talk about these New York teams. I mean, where do you want to go first, Scott? Mets or Yankees? Because these guys are, uh, you know, there's definitely stuff to talk about with, with both of them. Which way? Where do you want to go first, Mets well, or Yankees? What's there really to talk about with the Yankees? You know, they, it was a rare loss for them last night, and the mm-hmm. fans started booing them. What? What's up with that? No, I mean, I think that's absolutely crazy. What I was going to talk about in that game, and listen, we've, ta- we've said it this year. These rookies, Scott, these rookies are performing. I mean, Glaber Torres hits his 12th home run in 44 games all out of the nine hole. Did you know, Scott, he's already set the Yankees' all-time record for home runs in a season out of the ninth hole, and he's done it in 44 games, breaking the record that Alfonso Soriano had. So Glaber Torres did his thing, hits a bomb into the bullpen in left center. However, not to be outdone by the 19-year-old Juan Soto. Um, he hits Two home runs, including one. I mean, he went opposite field against Sonny Gray. But then the bomb he hit, I think it was in like the sixth inning or whatever, to right center field was a shot. Juan Soto now at the age of 19 hitting bombs. I mean, this kid, I mean, all of these guys, Scott, it continues with these rookies. Yeah, Adam Eaton is back for the Washington Nationals. And still, Soto is still playing in the lineup. And right now hitting 344 with five home runs with a 354 BABIP 
and a 297 ISO. I think there's going to be some natural regression, but how, there's no way you send this kid back to the minors. If in fantasy baseball, if you spend a lot of fab on him, you're getting a nice return. Of course, with these rookies, you know, there's going to be stretches where they go cold. It's going to happen for both Torres and for Soto. Sure. But, uh, you know, They've been both uh, very good as advertised. We've talked about Torres ad nauseum, though. It's uh, it's you know with with Soto, he's just, he's just been terrific. Like maybe the best rookie in the National League period. Yeah, that is possible. I mean, his OPS right now, Scott, is pushing eleven hundred. His OPS right now is at ten eighty eight, which is absolutely <laughs> incredible. And the bombs Washington he hit last Nationals night. Nationals like always. You know, they, they, there's a storyline about them. This could be the last year right. that, you know, they're truly a, truly a contender. Yeah. This team has never won a playoff series for all the talent that they've had. But, you know, fantasy-wise during the season, you know, they give you, they give you mm-hmm. excellent numbers. Yeah, absolutely. Do you remember when you say they never won a series? You remember, though, I guess, Scott, at this point – I would say it's got to be like three or four years ago. Remember when they had a chance, but they decided to hold Steven Stroudsburg back for yep. uh, the injury concerns being like, nah, we'll have plenty more bites at the apple. You know, all you got to do is go talk to a guy like Dan Marino about how many chances you have early in your career. I always thought that was interesting. Uh, Scott, though, foot, 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 football's a different game, though. Sure. You know, you're making, talking about you know. a team that, like, has made the playoffs, I believe, three or four times, and they've never – Yep. won a series. You know, that was one instance. But, you know, they keep when you keep getting to the playoffs and you keep you keep blowing it, you know, right. there's other players that I think of, uh, you know, not Dan Marino just because it's a, it's a different sport and, you know, it's built different. Like, Dan Marino's probably the best pure passer I ever saw, but the guy never had a dependable running game and never had a dependable defense. Him and Dan Fouts never won Super Bowls. But mm-hmm. some two of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. I think you know they get short shrifted when people start talking about the greatest of all time and they base it just on championships. When football so much of a team game. No, this is true. This is true. I was just thinking about people who, you know, uh, had success, dramatic success early on in the career and kind of assumed that they would be back. I do, Scott. We got to talk about these Mets. Listen, I have – listen, I have Jacob deGrom, okay? And I'm lucky, to be quite honest, that in my league we count quality starts and not wins. Um, So deGrom is great for me. I mean, he does it again, seven innings, strikes out seven, only gives up one run. But guess what? When you're pitching for the Mets, you give up one run and you're in trouble. Okay, did you see this? Scott, he is pitching to a 0.87 ERA in his last 10 starts. And in those games, the Mets are 2-8, and eight, something like 15 runs they've scored in their last 11 games. We've talked about this offense, but it's getting a little bit out of control. This time, it's Sirocco coming off the DL, pitching a no-hitter through six, shutting them down yesterday. Getting out of control. It's been out of control for about three weeks, maybe longer. And DeGrom is averaging 11.65K per nine. Uh, he's got a 155 ERA and only a 247 XFIP. He's got an 86, 7 point, almost an 87 strand rate, but that's because he really bears down with runners on base. Sometimes strand rates can be a little bit deceiving because, you know, when you watch DeGrom, you see whenever you get, when runners get on base, it's like, he just turns it into another gear. You know, this is the best pitcher 
the Mets have had in, in a long, long time. I, I dare I say he was he was better than Harvey when you know when Harvey yeah. was like, and he's done know, it for a longer, consistent yeah. stretch than Harvey. He has. Harvey he's, had that one great first half, but Degrom literally for the better part of the last three years has been he's an elite been more reliable. Pitcher. But I'm saying Absolutely. this year, comparing it to any year that Harvey does, it's like I'm seeing people now comparing him, you know, Mets history to Dwight Gooden. You know, in terms of his war and stuff like that, I forgot who wrote it. Maybe Sports Illustrated about how Gooden had the the best war of any Mets pitcher ever. I think in '85 when it was over 12, and you know that was phenomenal. But uh, Degrom has over eight right now. When you look at the fact that he's four and two right now, it's just it's an incredible crime. And when fantasy analysts talk about that, you can't chase wins. This is no better example right now. The Mets are reminding me, and I'm not saying this because I'm expecting them to go to the World Series. In 2015, when they did go to the World Series, the offense was completely anemic. And maybe not as bad as it was now, but it was very, very bad. And then, you know, they they added some pieces, including Cespedes. You know, if this team somehow can stay near 500, I would not, not be surprised if, again, that they are somehow buyers more than sellers near the trade deadline because it's New York City. There's a lot of pressure. Yeah, they got to compete uh, you know, they, for the they, back they page, big right? Payroll, etc. You know, they have a lot of lot to answer to on the back pages and the fans. If this team is anywhere remotely near 500 at the All Star break, I would not be surprised to see them make a trade. The problem is, is that they don't have a lot in their minor league system. Right. So for Degrom. I I don't know how much longer this continues. You know, you have other Mets pitchers pitching well, like Steven Matz, and they're just sure. they're not getting the run support. Lugo I remember pitching this feeling well as well. in 2015 that if the other team scored two runs, that the Mets were done. Yeah, and that's that's really sad. I think they really wrong. they really really miss Cespedes right now. Oh they yeah, really, I mean he completely really changes that offense. You know, you have Cespedes, you have a legitimate scary thumper in the middle of that lineup, and everything plays right off that. You know, absolutely. But they're taking a chance. You know, with some of these older guys that have not performed with them. Listen, Jay Bruce hasn't performed. We saw about Adrian Gonzalez's struggle, but Jacob Degrom is doing his thing. His ERA gets lowered to one point five five. Scott, his WHIP is one point zero one. I think it's going to be very interesting later on in the year to see if voters prefer DeGrom or a guy like Max Scherzer for the NL side. Look, Young. it's not DeGrom's fault that he's not no. going to get the wins. That's but, you know, that's that's the way that the votes go. If he's not winning games, he's mm-hmm. not going to be able to compete with Scherzer. Uh, yeah, think about this. I, in I, terms I, don't, of- I, don't, I don't think so. As far as the offense goes, they brought up Dominic Smith. Mm-hmm. If he starts hitting... That'll be a bonus, but I think a lot of people. As Drupal Cabrera has gone cold, uh, that certainly hasn't helped anything. Ahmed Rosario can't get on base enough. Uh, Todd Frazier is hitting here and a little bit here and there, but maybe he's one of the only ones. Brandon Nemo's the only one who's really carrying his weight right now. The fact that Cespedes is out and Conforto is not hitting. Conforto, fantasy-wise, he's to the point where you have to bench him in fantasy right now. You just you can't use him. Devin Mazzarocco still can't stay healthy, and I think what befuddles most Met fans is, like, look, I, I, think, the, I, think, I think he's one of the nicest guys in all of baseball, and He's always been a class act to the media, but I, why is Jose Reyes still on the roster? I, I don't get it. You know, you have to have better pinch hitters off the bench. That's part of it, too. 
Fair enough. But as you always tell me, Scott, we don't want it to be a local show. So let's get away from the teams in New York. I want to go to another game. Listen, the Houston Astros had the offensive output of the night yesterday, scoring 13 runs in Oakland. They continue to roll. You know, Correa with a few ribbies, Goriel with three ribbies, but Evan Gaddis bangs two home runs. He now has 13 on the year, five RBIs. Hey, Scott, you know, we've talked about in the past when, we, when we're speculating on things like JT Realmuto on the move. The Astros are one of the teams that come up. But listen, with Evan Gaddis, with uh, McCann, with your guy Max Stassi, do you think they really need help at the catcher position? Gaddis certainly providing some pop last night. Yeah, Gaddis certainly has. And, uh, He's really he's really picked up his play. He had only two oh three in April, but two eighty one with six home runs and sixteen RBIs in May and June two seventy nine, six home runs and eighteen RBIs. So he's he's certainly getting it done. And we've already seen with with Stassi when when uh, McCann was on the DL that you know this guy guy can step in and contribute. So you know, Maybe uh, you know, maybe the Astros are not a team that, that needs a catcher, but I think you know I was looking from things from defensive perspectives as well as offensive perspectives. I mean, Gaddis is I think ideally you want to use him more as a DH. Uh, McCann's a good, really good handler of pitchers. Right. So as long as McCann can stay healthy, you know, maybe maybe there isn't a need for JT Real Muto to go there. All right. Well, you could be just like the rich getting richer if they acquire yet another stud behind the plate. On the other side of that game, you know, listen, Chris Davis, he bangs two home runs. He has 19 on the year now. You know, Scott, we mentioned Nelson Cruz when we were talking about the Mariners. But over the last couple of years, I think there is no safer source of power. Maybe, you know, obviously there's your Stantons and Judges, these kind of guys. But really, you know, you think about Nelson Cruz, Chris Davis might be the safest form of power in uh on the west coast no uh look since the beginning of 2016 cumulatively no major leaguer has hit more home runs than chris davis and i remember lawyer michaels was doing the fsta draft yeah, you said he drafted summer. him real early he drafted him in the third round and he got really burned up on social media for it but he said how many guys can you really tell me that hit back-to-back 40 homers over the last two years, and here is he is on his way to it again, even though he missed a little bit of time with an injury. Right now, his ISO is a little bit is uh, it's a little bit up over recent years. You know, right now at three oh one. Uh, you know what you're going to get? You're going to get a two forty batting average, but you're going to get about thirty five homers, and it's going to be dependable. Chris Davis is who he is. He's not changing who he is. You know what you get. Yeah, absolutely. So he bangs two home runs yesterday for the A's. He's got 19 on the season, well on his way to another 35 or 40 home run total. And you know I've got shares of him on the Trevor-ending story. Hey, listen, Scott, I mean, we're talking about these guys with low batting averages, but that can have some power. And that brings me to the next game I wanted to talk about. The Colorado Rockies beat the Phillies in Philadelphia 7-2. to And I look at, you know, listen, Trevor Story doing his thing, 3 for his average is up to 270. He's really performing. But I look at a guy like Ian Desmond, Scott. Ian Desmond goes yard, you know, yesterday. His 12th of the season, so the power is still there. But I look up, and, you know, Scott, we're now in mid-June. Ian Desmond is hitting 
on the interstate at 197. You know, tell me generally, with all these guys, there's so many now. We mentioned Chris Davis. We mentioned others that, you know, their average is only going to be in the low 200s, but they have dependable power. How are you treating this if you're in an average league or an on-base percentage kind of league? You know, Desmond is starting to fall in that category as well. 12 home runs, but hitting under 200. We're seeing this all over Major League Baseball now with the proliferation of kind of the three true outcomes. Uh, How do you handle this generally as a fantasy manager, Desmond being yet another example? We got to have balance. You know, you have to have guys like John Jay who are mm. going to hit for a high average. The slap you know, hitters. Give you a lot, of power, a lot of power numbers in order to balance it out. You know, Ian Desmond is certainly making up for the lack of batting average but with a lot of power. He's hit eight home runs over the last uh, month and a half. So, you know, like you say, he's the three true, true outcomes type of player. He hasn't hit better than 206 in any month because I'm not I'm – not, 215 in any month, because I'm really going to count in March. He, he hit 400. Right, right, right. There's only 10 at-bats there. You know, in the last week, he's hit, he's just hit 211 with one home run. You know, Desmond's been a big, big disappointment. I think people were expecting better all-around numbers from him, you know, getting back to playing regularly this year, and it it just hasn't happened. It's Sometimes, for me, a lot of those guys, like, you know, like, you remember Chris Carter, who just yeah. played for so many years. He had one year of 40-plus homers with Yeah, for the right? Astros and the Rays and stuff like that. Yeah, Chris Carter was probably the most extreme example of that. Very rarely, unless I was totally desperate, I was not having Chris Carter on my team. If a guy's going to hit below 230, I really don't want him on my team. Is that still the case, or has that line of 230 maybe moved down a little bit because the whole league is going this way? You know, Can you handle a 225 guy who's going to get you 36 home runs a little bit more in 2018 than you could have in 2014? Who's, who's doing that, though? Who's doing that? Chris Davis is the best example of a low bat. Like, jo- I guess Joey Gallo would, Joey would Gallo be, really would be good, a nice guy. Good example um, of that. Uh, Miguel Sano is someone who I might have expected to do something I don't, like I don't that. think his average is going to be around 220 when all You don't think it's that low? No. No. Okay. Fair yeah, enough. I, th- I, think it's, I think it's hard to find that kind of guy hmm. nowadays, but you know, Joey Gallo is still the example. He's got a batting average of 199 right now with 17 home runs. You know, unless I'm even in an OBP league where his numbers have been better in the past, it's two ninety five. I just I don't want a Joey Gallo on my ball club, my my fantasy hmm. team. Okay, so you don't want the drain on that average, even in these three it's too two drastic. outcome days. Yeah, no, I hear you. Two forty. So, I'll you know I'll. I'll so that's the line Jay, for you? You expect Jay Bruce to be 250 and 30, right. although he's, he's playing hurt. But yeah, I, there's so many guys like that, you know, like Justin Borg, maybe sure. a 245 with 26 home runs. You know, I'll take one or two of those guys, but, you know, if a guy's going to hit below 230, like a Joey Gallo, I don't know. All right, fair enough. We are off and running here on Roto Experts in the morning. When we come back, we get you ready for DFS for today. And uh, Scott's interview with Didi Gregorius of the New York Yankees. We'll be right back. Roto Experts in the morning. Steiner Sports is the leading memorabilia provider for the New York Yankees, Rangers, Giants, Knicks, and the Brooklyn Nets. Featuring hundreds of items from your favorite athletes, Steiner Sports is your source for the best sports gifts. Go to SteinerSports.com slash box and shop our collection of memorabilia boxes, which include 10 gifts for the price of one. We've made one for each of your favorite teams. Hurry, supplies are limited, and these are some of the best deals we have ever offered. So go to SteinerSports.com slash box today. 
Hey, welcome back. It's Roto Experts in the Morning. I don't know if you guys hear this, but as soon as Chris Bavona starts playing this as the rejoin music, I get the King Scott Angle in my ear being like, yeah, here we go. You like this, Scott? What do we have coming back here? What's this? Oh, come on. This I don't a, know this, this Scott. Is a, this is a Help kid classic, man. Really? Detroit Rock City. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm, you know I'm a fanatical Kiss fan. This is like one of their standards. Fair enough. Fair enough. Do you have the uh, Do you have the face paint? Do you have the long tongue? Do you have it all, Scott? We, you, you, I actually. What do you mean? Do I? Oh, when I go dressed up, I don't go as Gene Simmons. I go as Ace Frehley. So oh, okay. It's that. Well, you know, that's I have the I other have. costume with the silver on my eyes and really, you know, like the whole space suit and everything. Oh, Scott, you know, we got to get pictures. I, of this. I, I, I can't believe that you know, as long as you've known me, you don't know to the degree, degree of fanaticism that I am. I'm a Kiss fan. It's like I'm going to see. I go to see tribute bands constantly. I have a collection at home. It's really, you know, I'm fanatical. Yeah. Okay, listen. You learn something new every day, Scott. The, 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 the name, the name of my my uh, my fantasy baseball team. You know, in the GST is the Black Diamonds. You know, that's that's a Kiss song. Okay, look at you, Scott. Yeah. Listen, what I need you to do, Scott, is I need a picture. I need evidence of this. Do you got a picture or video? Can we put that up on Scotty Roto X so I could see it at the uh, at Spittin' Speeds on Twitter? Yep. Because listen, I think uh, the fans would probably want to know this a as lot well. Of the fans have seen it. <laughs> All right. Well, I want to see this. <laughs> but I'll send I want to see what I'm missing out. All right. Sounds good. Listen, I'm talking about our listeners, our fans. So many ways you could join the show here. You could always holler at us at eight four four eight four three six eight seven nine. We had a call yesterday talking about LeBron James and where we think he's going to go. You can also vote in our polls. We are taking a break, moving from the first round to the second round of our face of baseball. The brackets are set. We'll preview them maybe a little bit tomorrow. But we got a different poll question up because, listen, Scott, it's rookie minicamp time. I mean, excuse me, minicamp time. The first time, actually, the veterans are seeing these rookies, and we're getting a lot of quotes like, oh, Saquon Barkley, he can really play. Josh Allen, he can really throw it. What do you think about that? So the question is, which of these rookie quarterbacks is going to have the most starts and the most fantasy points in redraft leagues this year? If your options are Rosen, Mayfield, Darnold, and Allen. We didn't put Lamar Jackson in there, although I know there's a lot of conversation around Lamar Jackson, and I think Joe Flacco is Fugazi personally. But, Scott, who do you think out of these rookie quarterbacks would be the best for you in a redraft league, scoring the most points and getting the most starts? We got that poll question up, Scott. It's it's very interesting because you know, rookie quarterbacks we've seen them in recent years Russell Wilson, Dak Prescott, etc. You know that these guys can come in and make an impact, and you can't be shocked by any of it. Uh, you know, I think the best opportunities in Arizona, but I just have I have a gut feeling, and from a lot of the things that I'm reading and seeing, although there's a lot of puff pieces out there right now. This is the that, time for uh, that, that, that I think I think Sam Darnold is just, hmm. you know, everything I, I see from him on film and from the intangible perspective, I'm very impressed. I think Sam Darnold, they're already talking about giving him an opportunity to start. I, I would not be surprised if Sam Darnold was, was the answer for me. That's interesting, Scott. I want to ask you because, you know, we are here in New York, so I don't want to spend too much time on this, but I'm also hearing reports of the Jets, you know, that Teddy Bridgewater is also impressing everybody with what he's doing. Uh, can you see a point in time where maybe the Jets actually have a good quarterback problem on their hands? Uh, yeah, it could possibly happen. It, McCown is really a bridge right. to anything else. Player coach and, almost, right? <laughs> yeah, o- almost. Like, he's good enough to lose with. Right. Like, I mean, there was a point last year, Scott. Pretty good numbers and you win six games. 
There was a point last year, Scott, though, when McCown was like QB7 in fantasy. And I'm talking about like in November, he was like QB7 in fantasy. So Yeah, he I, had a, I, stre- yeah. I streamed him here and there where I had some injuries. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm just talking about I can see a place where going into next year, they have a healthy Teddy Bridgewater and a healthy and ascending Sam Darnold. And that could be a good problem to have for the J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. But I digress. Hey, uh, Scott. Remedial, is- remedial spelling exercises for That's Jet right. Fans. You know how we do it. Listen, yeah. Fireman Ed taught me how to spell. Um, Scott, one other game I wanted to talk about. The Tampa Bay Rays beat the Toronto Blue Jays one nothing at home. Did you see who, who pitched for them, Scott? You had Font go three and a third innings. Then Andres go three and two-thirds innings. Then Castillo get the win for two innings. You know, this after Romo opens and closes. We talk about Alvarado as a closer. You know, Archer on the DL, Eovaldi coming back. They are really trying everything in Tampa. This seems to be kind of a hybrid of their opener strategy and actually letting the starter go, having three different guys go two to three innings. This is even something new, but it worked. They won one nothing, Scott. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's, it, it's crazy. It's, <laughs> you know, but they, they don't have a lot of talent, so I think they can play around like this. Right. Uh, you know, it's not a team that's expected to contend, but, you know, they keep an opponent's off balance with it, uh, you know, it certainly ticked off the Angels a few weeks ago. I remember Cozart was upset about this, not knowing how to prepare. And remember, Tampa Bay, their former manager was Joe Madden. He's the one who kind of is credited with starting the uh, the shift to the extreme that it is now. And out there in Chicago yesterday, he was tinkering again, putting Steve Ciszek in the outfield for him, moving things around. So, you know, baseball continues to tinker, whether it's things like the shift, whether it's things like the opener, whether it's things like having these two-way players, you know. Um, you know, it's interesting the way they're evolving. Teams starting trying to tinker with a six-man rotation, how they use the 10-day DL kind of as a shuttle bus. It's very interesting managers trying to think outside the box. Hey, Scotty, uh, some people got banged up. Not too many, thankfully, but uh, you have any uh, infirmary report from yesterday? Yeah, Garrett Richards uh, left his game last night early with a hamstring injury. They're going to have an MRI. And also, uh, Zach Cozart now has a shoulder injury. So, you know, that's something else we're going to have to keep an eye on as well. Okay, fair enough. And as I said, we got that poll question up about the rookie quarterbacks. And listen, Scott, to your point, this is a four-way race right now. Baker Mayfield has the lead with 34%, but 24% say Josh Rosen, 21% say Josh Allen, 21% say Sam Darnold. So it is very interesting to see how these rookie quarterbacks progress. Uh, Scott, However, the royal treatment continues. Part of the reason people listen to uh, Roto Experts in the morning here is we are at rotoexperts.com, the mark of fantasy excellence. You get great access to the players. You spent a couple minutes with Yankee shortstop Didi Gregorius when he was in City Field over the weekend. What would you talk to Didi about? Yeah, basically you supplied the questions for me, and I asked him <laughs> what he thought about, uh, you know, I did this for Dane, and uh, of course, you know, always a pleasure to do that. And, uh, I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, asked him basically what he thought about the rest of the young talent on the Yankees that we've been talking about so much. All right, fair enough. Let's hear it straight from the horse's mouth. This is Didi Gregorius Yay. with the king, Scott Engel, here on Roto Experts in the morning. Mr. Ed slash Scott Engel. Keep it going. What do we got, Didi Gregorius? Didi Gregorius of the Yankees. Didi, uh, you've been around the league in a while. What, what, what's your thoughts on these rookie infielders that you have here in uh, Torres and Andahar and, you know, how they compare to some of the really good rookies that you've seen? 
I mean, these guys been going out there doing their job. You know, they they know what they're here to do. They know I got to play the game the right way. So, uh, you know, it's just fun being with them here. Have you, uh, you know, as a veteran player, like, uh, you know, kind of mentored them at all, you know, in the final points of the game? Because a lot of guys, when they come up, as you know, you know, from the minors and stuff, they a veteran usually takes them under their wing. Well, you know, just, uh, I mean, they know how to do their stuff. You know, I only talk to them a little bit if they know, want to know some different stuff. But, uh, I mean, they came up and they know what to do already. So there wasn't much that needed to be said. And, and uh, all they know is just uh, keep their head up and play the game. How much fun is it for you to guy play with guys like that, not only defensively but offensively? I mean, it's awesome just to, like I say, you know, they're rookies, but they're ready to play. So that's one thing you want to see, and it's, it's amazing what they've been doing offensively and defensively. So they're, they're ready to go. They're ready to play every day. There you go. <clears throat> Didi Gregoria spending a couple of minutes, a uh, brief stint there with Scott Angle talking about these kids. How, listen, they are ready to go. It's about the preparation. Got to be excited having this new wave of talent come up. Right, uh, Scott? Yeah, it is. It certainly is. But for fantasy players, too, because they really did spend a lot of Miguel Andahar in, right. uh, in preseason drafts. And sometimes, yeah, it was supposed to be Drury in the middle un- of the Undrafted. It was supposed to be Drury. You know, and I had a lot of high hopes for Drury hearing on my insider reports, you know, that this was a guy that, you know, pretty much like was going to be made for Yankee Stadium. Right. You know, just, uh, just was really going to fit in because really never got the opportunity to like he was at a point with the Diamondbacks where he was on the verge of a breakthrough from what yeah. uh, some baseball insiders were telling me, but it's probably never going to happen in New York now. And I think when Drury becomes healthy, I think maybe he's an underrated trade piece. Yeah. Somebody you watch for down the line, maybe yes. a year or two from now with another team. Yeah, I could see him as a trade piece as well. You know, he is a major league ready talent. Another team might want them. And also, you got to love the flexibility Drury provides, being able to play a lot of different positions. All right, Scott, let's get people ready for daily fantasy. And it's interesting, Scott, you alerted me. First of all, you showed me, uh, you sent me that picture of you dressed up as Kiss. All I know is I want to be wherever that party is. I want to be around this. This seems like it's a lot of fun. Next time you get that garb going, Scott, you got to let me know. I want to paint the town red with you when you dress like that, okay? Let me ask you a question. You're a single guy, right? Sure. You're a single guy, right, Dane? I am when, a single guy. When you man. actually like dress up as a member of KISS, you'll actually Would have I? to uh, fight, some, fight some of the ladies off. Well, you know, it depends on the uh, it depends on the time of year. If it's around the end of October, I'd feel completely comfortable doing so. You know, if it's it, it around really the doesn't end of matter, October, matter you know, when right. you do it. If you if you if they're in town for a concert and you're going like that, it's oh, yeah, it's just amazing amazing the kind of attention you attract. That's interesting. What we got to do, Scott, is the next time maybe if are they, are they still touring? Kiss? Are they still playing? Yeah, the, yeah. There's some rumors that early next year they're gonna they're gonna start like a. Like a major world tour. Oh, no. All right. So hopefully. Right, right. Yeah. Hopefully they play one at Madison Square Garden and we could check them out because, you know, Rock and Riley's in Studio 34, one of the homes of the Fantasy Sports Network, is right outside. But, Scott, let's get people ready for DFS, okay? First of all, I don't know if you know, but Mike Francesa has this amazing new idea about picking players and seeing how they perform for cash contests. Obviously, the Pope ahead of the game on that one. So far ahead of the game that we don't have anything like DailyRoto.com already established, already making millionaires over there with their advice. Their column is up all the time early in the day to make sure you are ready. But it's already so established, unbeknownst to Mike Francesa, 
that you can even, with DailyRoto.com and their partnership with DKMS, you can parlay this, this novel idea of picking players on a day-to-day basis and competing for cash prizes. You could also do this and win a chance to win two tickets to a 2018 World Series game. Just go to DailyRoto.com slash DKMS. There, you'll find the link to free DFS baseball, and you'll also find out how you can help someone struggling with blood cancer, okay? Only 30% of patients can find a matching donor in their family. That's how you go on and can help, okay? Register, swab your cheeks. If you're a match, you could really help someone, not in the fantasy world, but in real life. And you could also qualify to get two tickets for the World Series in 2018. That's dailyrodo.com slash D-K-M-S. All right, Scott, we look at the slate today. Um, we look at the starters. I mean, it's not as strong as it has been in other uh, other days this week. I mean, it's a short slate. You know, Thursday you got the travel game. You know, people are traveling as well. You got David Price pop, uh, at the top of the price chart. Um, even though, listen, I'm going to tell you something. We started the show talking about these Seattle Mariners. They look hot right now. I don't think I would necessarily go to David Price. One guy that intrigues me, especially in tournaments, is Tyson Ross. Tyson Ross has been decent lately, but the thing with Tyson Ross, and I have him on some of my teams, he's a guy I like for spot starts, and I like him when he is at home. He is on the road today. I believe it is at Atlanta. Um, where are you going on the hill? Would you stay away from Ross because he's on the road today? Do you like David Price even against Seattle? Where are you going on the hill today, Scott? Well, Price is the chalk, obviously. Yeah. Uh, although Seattle's like a tough lineup. It is. But you know, it's a very, very short slate. Blake Snell is pitched really well, but like as the, as the guys at Daily Rotos indicate, he's going against the Yankees and the peripherals point to some regression, and this is this is spot for regression. Uh, look, Anytime you go against the Mets offense, I think uh, I think you have something there. The only thing is Matt Cooch doesn't get a lot of strikeouts. So I think i got to go Anibal Sanchez at home against the Padres. The Braves have a better lineup than the Padres. Sanchez is 2-0 and with a 2.37 ERA. Maybe pitching over his head but facing a weak lineup. I'd probably go with Anibal Sanchez. If you're more looking for the victory, I'd be in line for Matt Cooch. But you know, you, I think you'll get more strikeouts from Sanchez. So you're just at this point, you're comfortable attacking the Mets offense the way they've been playing. They go on the road to Arizona. Until further notice. Yeah, I mean, listen, you can get rich betting with a streak, right? You bet against the streak. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of times you can argue. I understand fading the Mets offense until something changes. They go from Atlanta, flying west. They're in Arizona tonight, uh, 940 Eastern start. Matt Cooch could be a viable option. What do you think? What do you think, Scott? The only thing about- is you're not going to get a lot of strikeouts. It's dangerous. That's why I'd, I'd rather use Hannibal Sanchez. Sure, but the Mets are also averaging something like three hits a game across the last couple of weeks, right? So, I mean, yeah, yeah you're not, is, you may not get a, strikeouts. Is it but if you go, to, it, go ahead. Yeah, but you, in order to score, score more points, you want to get the strikeouts, and you just don't get them with Cooch. This is true, but listen. It's, it's not like the Mets are scaring anybody. And you, you mentioned, listen, Scott, it's a short slate, right? There's what, one, two, three, four, only four night games, right? So, you know, I could see, you know, you want to get generally a home starter. So you talk about Annabelle Sanchez. Sanchez at home against the light-hitting Padres lineup. I like that call as well. The only other home starter here in the night slate is, you know, Domingo Herman. He has not been pitching well as of late after that first start where he had uh, – you know, he had like a no-hitter through uh, uh, 
Uh, I think it was like through, you know, six or seven innings in his first start, but hasn't done much since then with a record of 0-4, 5.32 ERA. So you like Annabelle Sanchez or maybe Matt Cooch. Those are your, uh, those are your guys. Now, huh, Scotty? You, 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 take, you take a look at the numbers, and mm-hmm. uh, so far, Annabelle Sanchez, he's, he's been decent in terms of the strikeouts. He hasn't been outstanding. He's got, he's got, uh, he's got 30 innings pitched and uh, about 26 strikeouts. Uh, you know, with with Matt with Matt Cooch, you know, I, I think you even get you even get less than that. So you know, he's a total pitch to contact guy. Uh, two of his last four starts have not been good. I'm not saying he can't get the win. He's pitched he's pitched 60 innings and he struck out 33. So uh, yeah, I think there's a stark difference there. All right, fair enough. Listen, go on over to DailyRoto.com. They help you make millionaires. Remember, also, register over at DKMS to see how you can help someone struggling with blood cancer. Hey, Scott, usually on Wednesday, we talk about George Kurtz and his closer article. That's posted up on the site. Check it out over at RotoExperts.com. Just a couple of situations I want to bring up. We've talked about Baltimore, how Zach Britton is back. We've talked about Chicago, how they're going to Soria, and Nate Jones is now on the DL. Um, (laughs) Soria, six saves in his last 10 days. Yeah, he's been pitching. You didn't think he'd get that all year with the White Sox. clearly the answer. He's clearly the answer now there in Chicago. But remember, we've also talked about how Chicago, with their losing ways, some of these guys are going to be potentially on the market as teams are moving around. Um, Roberto Ozuna's kind of stay on the administrative leave continues to be pushed back. We've talked about that closing situation with Tapera and Clippard and O and Axford, how that is cloudy. Let me ask you, though, Scott, the one I'm most interested in, is out there in San Francisco. You know, Hunter Strickland still is the closer, it looks like. But as we talk about closers coming back and how they work themselves in, it happened with Corey Knabel. It's happening, I think, as we speak with Zach Britton. Mark Melanson also has come off the DL, has made about four or five appearances already. Um, Do you think Strickland has a tight hold on that job, or does Melanson reclaim his role in San Francisco? You thought by now what happened for Mark Melanton, you know, especially what they're paying him. But right. I guess they, they they don't want they don't want to mess with success. He's you don't want to upset the apple cart already. Yeah, he's he's uh, Melanton's had five appearances already, and none of them have been in safe situations. So the potential is certainly there. But and I think if you have Strickland and you can roster Melanton and stash him, mm-hmm. just in case they make that switch at some point. Uh, but who knows? You know, this team might be sellers at the deadline. You know, maybe they're trading either Melanson or Strickland, and you know, both of them are closing here. Right. You know, we've talked about other pieces. If the Giants become sellers, obviously they get a big, bad, country-strong ace that uh, would be commanding a a big price to help restock their farm system. Guys like Melanson and Strickland, if they decide to break it down and go young, could definitely have some value as well. Um, You got to look with Melanson, though, that, you know, his last fully healthy season was 2016. Yeah, and he's 33 years old, so I I think that's a concern. Okay. Um, one other team on the West Coast, Scott, I want to talk about in the same kind of vein that we believe could also be moving pieces around are the Fathers down in San Diego. Listen, Kirby Yates. El Padre. El Padre. See, Kirby Yates, 
you know, appears to be getting a little bit of action in those opportunities. Do you think, as George Kurtz kind of uh, hypothesizes, could the Padres be preparing for life after maybe trying to deal Brad Hand? I mean, Hand is a lefty. Hand is getting the saves. Hand pitching to incredible ratios. Any contending team would like a clo- uh, like an arm like that as a lefty for sure. He may not be in a closing situation, but do you think the Padres could be trying to ease Kirby Yates into the role for after they move uh, Brad Hand? Yeah, I think he is, I think that could happen. He's up next on the depth chart there. Right. Uh, that George lays out on RotoExperts.com in the closer report under the MLB tab. Uh, Hand is a guy that he's kind of dangerous, as brilliant as he's been. You know, some contending team could look at him as a, as a super lefty out of the, the lefty specialist rather than a, than a closer because he's been he's been absolutely outstanding. And the danger with him is as good as he's been that he could get pushed out of that role in a trade, role. and you could lose him out of the player universe. So. Uh, yeah, they, look, there's. I th- I thought with Miami that you might be able to stash Drew Steckenrider because mm-hmm. I don't know how much I trusted Kyle Bearclaw, but Bearclaw is getting the job done. It really depends on the performance of the guy ahead of him, the, of the the uh, closer ahead of him, if if something's going to happen here. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, w- let me ask you this: Would you get ahead of it and try to move Brad Hand right now? Because you know, if 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 someone in your fantasy league looks at his stats. Right, you're gonna be like, oh, this is a guy I definitely want. But if you get ahead of the game, to your point, he could get traded out of an a, an NL player universe, right? But also, he's a lefty, so any team, any big time contending team, may look to him to be, like you said, this kind of high leverage lefty specialist role where he will not be accumulating saves. Would you ever try to get ahead of it and trade uh, Brad Hand? It depends on what kind of league you're in. Mm. Uh, a lot of fantasy baseball leagues are more competitive than any other sport, mm-hmm. and the teams that you're trying to deal with might be aware of those situations. Sure. If you're in a league with less experienced players, I think you could try it, but you might only get 60 or 70 cents on the dollar if you're trying to move him right now because I think people will know you why people you're are trying on to it. trade him. It's, 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 it's dangerous. All right, fair enough. Listen, it is around that time where a lot of trade rumors are happening, so you may have to, on speculation, try to get ahead of it. You know, guys that we're talking about, like Brad Hand, I think Kelvin Herrera might be in the same kind of spot. He might go somewhere and then not maintain his ability to get saves. We've already talked about the guys in Baltimore. We think Baltimore is should, in, in our opinion, should be ready to get whatever they can for any viable pieces. You know, we talked also, listen, we'll see what the San Francisco Giants do as well but definitely keep it locked to roto experts in the morning because we'll be all over it george kurtz is also all over the closing situations go on over to rotoexperts.com for that hey scott we got an interesting poll question up i'm telling you it continues to really be kind of a four horse race everybody's thinking uh baker mayfield getting 35 percent right now but here's what i wanted to ask you scott with only a couple minutes left in the hour we are moving on into our quarterfinals of the face of baseball brackets, uh, probably starting tomorrow, uh-huh. we'll kick it off. Listen, I think we have some interesting matchups. I want to ask, do you think we'll get in any upsets? Because the first four seeds did move on. Do you think we'll get any upsets in this next round, which is proved right now going to be Bryce Harper versus, uh, versus Albert Pujols? Got to figure Harper can move on. What about Aaron Judge versus Chris Bryant? That could be interesting. Jose Altuve will face Mike Stanton. And then the only upset of the first round was Justin Verlander over Otani. It's going to be Verlander versus Mike Trout. 
in the second round. You think the top four seeds advance, or you think we get an upset here? I don't know if I see an upset. The best chance would yeah. be Brian over Judge, but I just don't see it happening. What about that Stanton-Altuve matchup? Stanton Altuve, uh, I think, could go either way. I don't. Th- I don't think either one, either either guy winning is an upset. Okay, this is the three six matchup. It would be so. You know, Altuve is technically kind of our favorite going into this, but I think Stanton. I think this could be a very close one. I think this might be the tightest matchup of the round. You know, people know Altuve as the diminutive kind of MVP. They've seen him around, but people know about the uh, you know like the Paul Bunyan power just, yeah. of Mike Stanton. You know, and chicks do dig the long ball. Yeah, you know, at least they did fifteen years ago. Uh, I'm not <laughs> so sure about that anymore, but uh, yeah, I what, think now they dig exit velocity. Is that what it is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Checks dig exit velocity. Yes, uh, but I think it's the closest one. Uh, and who's the better player? You know, it's a lot of times people will vote on that, and I think you have to lean Altuve in that regard because he's more of an all-around threat. Yeah, so that's going to be very interesting as we move along. We'll be finishing up our face of baseball brackets this month. But, Scott, a lot of stuff going on. We're going to keep it locked here. The U.S. Open, we were talking with um, we were talking with Colin Drew. He is high on Paul Casey as a guy uh, right now. These guys are already teeing off at the U.S. Open. Uh, you know, it is in progress over there at Shinnecock. We'll have our eyes over it all. Have a great rest of the day, Scott. It's beautiful weather out there. Enjoy the rest of your day, all right there, Scott? I'll be seeing you tomorrow. All right. Yeah, man. Tell the people goodbye, Scott. It's all good. You got time. I see y'all. I see there y'all. There it is. He does it on beat. You know what it is. We put the fun and functional sports radio. Jake Seely coming on right after this. Roto experts in the morning right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Tuned in to the Roto Experts. Welcome back, Roto Experts in the morning, right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. The King Scott Angle makes the hot tag to the All In Kid Jake Seely, who joins us now on Roto Experts in the morning. How you doing, Jake? This fine Thursday, U.S. Open getting started. World Cup getting started. The boys of summer in full swing. I'm getting questions about mini camp. It's a beautiful time to be alive, Jake. How you feeling? Yeah, I'm doing good. Yep, a lot going on today for sure. Absolutely. Where do you want to start, Jake? Because, listen, I know we both do not think Terrence West moves the needle at all, but he did, in fact, sign with the New Orleans Saints. I guess the Saints think he's in better shape than Jamal Charles and some others. It looks like Terrell West, I mean, excuse me, Terrence West is going to be the guy for four games at least that's in that backfield with Alvin Kamara, huh? That seems that way as of right now, but I'm like you said, doesn't move the middle. I could not care less. Uh, he might get a few touches, but they do still have Boston Scott that they drafted. It's not a guarantee it's even going to be West. There's not even a guarantee he's going to be getting that much. It's not like he's def- definitively getting Mark Ingram's touches. No, absolutely. I, I, I Listen, 
I don't believe in Terrence West, the skill anyway. You know, when he was in Baltimore, I was away from him. I I think he's just a guy. So this doesn't move the needle for me either. Here's the part of this that I did think was interesting. You know, Jamal Charles was there as well. What I did think was interesting, Jake, is that DeMarco Murray declined the opportunity to work out for the Saints. You know, he said he didn't want to work out with a bunch of other running backs. But actually, to be quite honest, Jake, I hear what DeMarco Murray is saying, not about working out with other people, but because this isn't the spot for me if I'm DeMarco Murray, because I know that this this team already has a good backfield, you know, in Kamara and in Ingram, and whoever they signed was going to be sort of a fulfill-in. It seems like DeMarco Murray is more biding his time to see if there's an injury or an opening in a place that he can have a more significant role. In my opinion, I have always speculated that that place may be Indianapolis, um, but you're never sure. You know, what do you think about DeMarco Murray declining the opportunity to really be this kind of fill-in portion of the Saints' backfield? Do you read it the same way I do, that he may is, like, trying to position himself for a better and bigger opportunity? Yeah, well, that's, I think that's telling for the fact that what we just said about Terrence West is the Saints aren't looking for somebody to be a significant piece of the offense, and that's what he's looking for. I don't think it's going to be the Colts either. The Colts are happy with what they have. It's to what your first point was is it's going to need an injury, so he's probably not going to sign until he get close to preseason, at least training camp at this point, because he needs a path to significant playing time, and right now nobody has that for him. Right, so you think he's kind of on the same train as like a guy like a Des Bryant or a Jeremy Macklin at the wide receiver position, right? They're waiting at this point. Unfortunately, as soon as people start practicing, whether it is mini camp or training camp next month, people are going to go down. We've seen Hunter Henry and others already, you know, get injuries as soon as they start doing football activities. So it looks like Murray and Des and maybe some others, they're, uh, they're now on the path to just wait for an opportunity to open up, right? Oh, you're asking? Yeah. That's, uh, yeah, yeah. That's, we're saying the I same want thing. You to yeah, affirm what we're saying. Absolutely I, true. I'm not, how many times you want me to say it? Yes. <laughs> All right, fair. Jake Seeley <laughs> imminently agrees on this one. Hey, let's go over uh, interesting news. I think out of uh, I was going to say San Diego, but really Los Angeles. It looks like they are in touch with Antonio Gates. Listen, after Hunter Henry goes down, you know, we talked about the impact of someone like a Mike Williams, Terrell Williams. You know how they soak up some of those red zone looks or some of those targets. And, you know, we talked about it. Could they go ahead and go out to Antonio Gates? He's like 38 years old. I'm not sure that he has much left in the tank. Yes, he would know the offense. Yes, he would already have established chemistry, but Phillip Rivers. But uh, do you think this is viable, Jake? If I set the over-under here at 50%, you think there's a greater than 50% chance that they actually bring Gates back into the fold? I think that's a fair number. It really comes down to we know they're interested. It matters really at this point what Antonio Gates wants to do. If I'm him, if you're him, do you really want to waste your time coming back and get beat up for another year? You've already kind of done your thing. You're at the twilight of your career probably two years ago. At this point, he doesn't have a ton left in the tank as it is. I mean, why not just, you know what, I was already ready to retire. I was already gotten to that retirement life. I've been sitting here. I'm not getting hurt every single week. So I, I'd say 50, but also because the fact is, why do it now? Like, even though, like, even if he decided he did want to play this year, he's got the cars and where he can sit out and, you know, I don't want to show up now. I don't want to go through the struggle of the heat and the, tra- you know, the, the training all week that I don't want to deal with. I'll show up at training camp if it's really going to happen. So if it is going to be Gates, I don't think it would even happen for a few more weeks.
Fair enough. He can. He doesn't have to kind of go through the grind of the two days in the summer and all that stuff. He already knows the offense. He can kind of slide on in in uh, the middle of August and just be fine. I hear what you're saying, Jake. I guess the one thing I would answer, and you know, I remember I remember posing the same thing to you about Rob Gronkowski, and you were like, "No, nah, he can still his legacy and all that." I don't think it matters the legacy with Antonio Gates. We all know he's one of the best tight ends to ever put on a football uniform. Here's what I would say, Jake. I, I at least, and I know a lot of other people that are out there, really think the Chargers are poised to maybe make a run in the AFC. You know, Antonio Gates, he has all the accolades. He does not have a Super Bowl ring. And you have a team that many people believe can be one of the contenders right below the Patriots in the AFC. A lot of people like Pittsburgh, the Chargers. You hear about people in the South like Jacksonville or Houston, whatever. But a lot of people think the Chargers could be prime for a run if you think you know if you being Antonio Gates think you got a legitimate shot of getting a championship that might be uh, alluring enough to bring me back to go through the grind one more time Jake what do you think I don't, I don't really know that that's going to matter for him one way or another no. I'm, I can't speak to Antonio Gates I don't know if it's at this point of his career if it really cares all right, fair enough. You know, uh, listen, people, uh, you know, at the end of their career, when they're thinking about switching teams, they're all like, oh, what gives me the best chance to win? What gives me a chance to win a championship? Maybe it could come tailor-made for Antonio Gates. But listen, the question, like you said, he is 38 years old. Does he want to sack up and go through the grind yet again now that the opportunity is there? Jake, moving along, I want to talk about some news and notes out of my team, the J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. Uh, you know, Jake, we've talked about this wide receiver room you know what are they down to like 12 or 13 wide receivers it was like 16 17 at one point right but we have some news coming out of these Jets wide receivers first of all Terrell Pryor and he's he's coming back from this ankle injury right and they're saying they don't know now if he's going to be ready for camp next week so that is something to keep an eye on on the flip side Robbie Anderson in the news again this time talking about how he, he, he understands, he sees the error of his ways, he's turning his life around, he's not going to talk to cops about their wives anymore. I don't know if I buy it, but this is the same, this is the time of year, Jake, where everyone's in the best shape of his life. Maybe Robbie Anderson's in the best mental shape of his life, but as we zoom out a little bit more, I remember last time we talked about the Jets, Jake, they had something like 13 wide receivers on the depth chart. When you hear these things about Robbie Anderson and Terrell Pryor, how do you think this is going to shake out like I almost think Jake did you see the Hunger Games I think we should also do a Hunger Games style thing when any of the Jets wide receivers like get cut or drop in the depth chart and we could really do like a ceremony how do you think it breaks out you think Robbie Anderson can stay clean and be one of the top two wide receivers on this team you think Terrell Pryor can get back and be one of the top wide receivers on this team we talk about curse the role of Nunwa will play they got a lot of young kids as well it seems really like the Hunger Games for the Jets wide receiver position jake no so no, i never saw it so i have no idea what the hell you're talking about but for the fact of this roster it's robbie anderson is probably the most talented if he can stay you know clean whether it's off the field with all his issues on in generally is, is be the mm-hmm. number one but uh, I'm, I'm not changing what i said before i'm gonna stick to it i don't want anything to do with any of them it's a committee it's there's no clear number one maybe that eventually happens with anderson and at that point it's gonna be too late for me because i'm not sitting around for the first five weeks while they play you know, fiddle chair over there, or whatever you want to call it, like fiddle chair, Jake. How do you play yeah. fiddle chair? 
I don't know. That's basically what they're going to be doing over there. That's, it's, I have no idea what's happening because – and I don't even think Terrell Pryor is in the conversation at this point because he's hurt right now. He's not even sure. He's not even training. So I don't know that how much Terrell Pryor is going to be able to get past everybody else. But And new one, we talked about before, hybrid, wide receiver, tight end. Moldis wide is probably going to be three relevant wide receivers, and I say relevant with a loose quotes around it uh, for this team. But Jermaine Curse, we've seen what he could do before, but Jermaine Curse is still Jermaine Curse. He's – Better, like the problem is, is all these receivers are but better kind of served the same as nondescript, decent guys, right? That's about but they're it. also best served as a team's like an NFL team, not a wide, not, not an NFL team's team. third wide receiver. Third, that's the thing. Yeah. Maybe Anderson could be somebody's number two, and because right. again, he has the most talent, but nobody on this team's equipped to be a number one, nobody's even equipped to be a 1B. So, you're also talking about the fact that it could be Darnold under center from week one, and you have a rookie starting mm. the entire year, and if it's not. And Josh McGowan really like okay. Josh McGowan should be coaching at this point anyway. So right. I, I just I, I think I'll for go all back intents and purposes, he is a player coach there, really there for Sam Darnold's benefit. You know, yeah, if uh, be honest with you, if Josh McCown starting week one, I think that's a disappointment for Darnold. I'll put it that way. So I just I don't want anything to do with any of him. I'll take a flyer on Anderson, but the problem is people aren't taking flyers on Anderson. People are taking him in like the right. eighth, ninth round because of the, the talent and thinking what I doing what I always say. They're buying all the risk. He's gonna not that like if you lose your eighth rounder, it's a huge knock to your team. But at the same time, there's a lot of talent on the board in the eighth round that I'm going elsewhere sure. for. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Out of all these, listen, Robbie Anderson is not going to be the one where there's value, right? Because if we all think that they are, you know, you know, really second and third, or third wide receivers on an NFL team, and you're drafting Robbie Anderson to be someone who can actually produce, you got to find the guy, you know, uh, to your point about the regressing to the mean kind of article that you had last time on Roto Experts, Jake, you got to find the guy where is the value, the guy that's kind of under uh, reported, let's say, that rises to actually be the number two wide receiver for the New York Jets. That's where you're going to get value. It's not going to be in Robbie Anderson. I personally think it's going to be a guy like Quincy Anunua or Jermaine Curse who actually returns some value for you with the New York Jets. But Jake, you mentioned that there's reports out there, Jeremy Bates now saying he would not be surprised if Sam Darnold would in fact start week one. You know, Jake, I am also listen, I'm here in New York. I'm getting a lot of good reports about Teddy Bridge water looking good as well i brought up how that could be an asset for the jets down the road but we've got an interesting poll question up today jake okay we were talking about it before with all these rookie quarterbacks and we were talking about how at this time of year you're going to get all the puff pieces about how everyone loves everyone all these running backs look amazing everybody's rehab is going well everybody's in the best shape of their life everybody likes the potential of these quarterbacks so we ask people which of these rookie quarterbacks do you think in redraft leagues would get the most fantasy football points this year, would get the most starts this year? To be honest, though, Jake, I wanted to put five options in the poll, but we could only put four. So we have Darnold, Rosen, Allen, and Baker Mayfield. We're also hearing a ton about Lamar Jackson being in two quarterback sets, being like a young Michael Vick. And we got a four-way race here, Jake. Where do you think this breaks out? Right now, 35% of the people are voting with Baker Mayfield, the number one overall pick in Cleveland. How do you think it shakes out for these rookies? I told you yesterday. I don't really. I don't care which way it goes. I don't really. Have, this is one I'm not going to try to sway an opinion on because we're trying to bake it on who's going to play 16 games. So I really, you know, if you told me all of them are starting week one, I wouldn't be surprised. If you're talking about, you know, half of them halfway through the season, that's fine. So if you'll know, take it from that angle, let's say all four of them do start week one. 
Then it's Baker Mayfield, in my opinion. And then it's Baker Mayfield because of his talent, because of the talent that's around him. I think Josh Rosen is still the most NFL-ready. But if you're going to tell me you look at those two teams, who's got more talent at this point? It's actually the Browns. It's the Browns over the Cardinals, even with David Johnson being healthy. They just have more talent from their receivers. Uh, The running backs, obviously, they don't have a David Johnson talent. But they have three options, and you know how much I like Chubb. And then they have a better tight end, and they they just have a better team. So, you know, Baker Mayfield also runs more than Josh Rosen does. So I would say that. But, you know, it really comes down to, again, is if Josh Allen is starting week one and starts all 16 games and none of the other three starts until week nine, November. he's going to outscore. No matter how miserable of a quarterback he is, he's going to end up outscoring him. Sure. No, obviously it matters who gets in there and who has the most opportunity to get points. I think it's so interesting that we're talking about how the Cleveland Browns are better set up around the quarterback to do well than some of these other teams, both with what they have at the skill positions and, of course, with their offensive line, even though, you know, kind of first ballot Hall of Famer Joe Thomas is walking away. And, yes, Baker Mayfield now does lead this poll 34% of them. You know, we did this poll, Jake, just in between as we move from the round one to our quarterfinals of our face of baseball. We'll talk about some of those matchups a little bit later on, uh, but I think we're going to have some interesting matchups in the quarterfinals. You mentioned it, Jeremy Bates saying that Sam Darnold may be able to, uh, you know, impress enough to get the start week one and sort of takes his lumps and uh, grow Uh, under pressure, under center in the National Football League in his rookie year. Last thing I want to say, I don't know if you saw this, uh, Jake. It's not really a football story. It's a a lawsuit story. Reggie Bush is about to get paid. Reggie Bush is going to get $12.5 million from the Rams. Remember when he slipped uh, in the St. Louis Dome and, like, that's how he tore his ACL? By all accounts, pretty much ending his career. Uh, He sued the Rams. He's going to get paid $12.5 million. I bring up Reggie Bush not necessarily because of the settlement, but because of, you know, we talk about how short the NFL career is, you know, and how how much of a comet, you know, kind of Reggie Bush was, the number two overall pick. People thought that he was going to be able to kind of change the game and be this mismatch out of the backfield. And we see so many guys do this, you know, but can they stand up to the wear and tear of the NFL? I'm thinking about a guy like Chris Thompson from last year. You know, as soon as he started to have to take on a bigger load, he went down after all the injuries in Washington. Reggie Bush never fully realizing expectations, but creating kind of a, a mold of a position that is very valuable in the NFL in 2018, Jake. Yeah, so I, I agree with all that, but what's the, what's the question? Like, what's... Where are you going? The with question that? I'm going with the evolution of the running back position, Jake. You know this this idea that now we are create they were creating mismatches at the tight end position, but really now there's this proliferation of the back that can do more, that can be split out wide, and I think that right. Reggie Bush, you know, kind of. I don't know if he started this evolution, but really the idea of using them in so many different ways. I'm just getting your comments on this evolution. Is this something we should continue to see? And should we continue to value the guys who can do these skills a lot more than these early down plotters? Oh, so okay. That, that, see, that makes more sense. I didn't know if you were just waxing poetically about Reggie Bush. Well, part of like, me yeah, was because, you know, I love yeah, a little I mean, Reggie Bush. I can't, I can't be mad about Reggie Bush, but hey. 
But no, yes, yeah, that's, that's the point that, I'm trying that's to make. That's fine. Uh, the, fa- the fact <laughs> is with Richard, well, for first of all, like, good for him for getting that money because it sure. is true. It is, I mean, the, having that stupid sideline was the reason that his career ended, so good for him. Uh, the fact is I don't know if he started it. There was other people in the mix. Maybe he was the most successful person in that. Sproles, yeah, but go ahead. But to your point, and I'm going to take it a little bit of a different direction, is yes, we are seeing, you know, especially now, and that's why I say I don't know that he necessarily started because Reggie Bush was a while ago before we're really seeing it, I would say, over the last two or three seasons. So if he started it, there was a little bit of a downtime before it really kicked into gear with the past two or three seasons, like the Camaras and the McCaffreys, and teams are willing Mm -hmm. to have these people that share the backfield but are built like that and so explosive that their per touch is more important and getting them 12 to 15 is all you need. But that's what I'm saying is that's why I've always told people even before they signed C.J. Anderson that I wasn't getting in on Christian McCaffrey touching the ball 250 times. Like They're happy with him in that spot, and you don't want him to do more than that. As I said, as soon as they signed or drafted Darius Geis with the Redskins, and you just mentioned Chris Thompson, is that, you know, they don't want to get Chris Thompson killed again. Yes, he was amazing, but the fact is the body mass uh, body mass index matters in football. It matters, and you see people like Reggie Bush, like Christian McCaffrey, like Chris Thompson, like Theo Riddick's been hurt a couple of times. Sure. It just it does matter as much as we would like to say it doesn't, and we love to see how explosive these players are. It matters, and that's where I'm honestly – I have no problem if somebody wants to take Barkley or Hunt ahead of Kamara this year because he, they're, they're keeping Kamara in that 12-15, to 15, which is great, and they need to. But at the same time, even so, there's still a risk when you're that size and playing in the NFL. There's just – it's an inherent risk, and there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we also brought this up. Remember when uh, Mark Ingram got suspended for four games and everyone automatically thought, oh, my God, this makes Alvin Kamara right there in the top five, right there at the David Johnson, you know, Zeke Elliott level, because he's going to just naturally assume all that. And I remember Scott Angle telling me, don't don't think that don't make that leap of faith because they may not want to put more on Alvin Kamara and risk the kind of uh, the weapon that they have by kind of using him more, either getting him tired or getting him banged up like we saw with Chris Thompson. So there's a lot of examples of that. Here's what I want to ask you, though, Jake, because not only are they um, kind of this role moving to prominence, but isn't it also it's, – it's also getting paid a little bit more, Jake. I want to bring up the case of Jarek McKinnon, okay, because I see Jarek McKinnon also as, you know, this guy out of the backfield, good in space. He signed a real big contract with San Francisco, and Shanahan is saying they're going to put him in this Devontae Freeman role. Where do you put Jarek McKinnon vis-a-vis this idea of, like, can he take on a bigger share, or is he this guy that you like in short spurts because he can be dynamic? Dynamic. He's certainly getting paid like he's going to get a lot of touches and have a big share of that backfield. It certainly sounds like that from Kyle Shanahan. I know a lot of people are very high on Jarek McKinnon, but do you have any concern of him taking over a bigger portion of the load and being the guy in San Francisco? Well, no, there's a couple different things there. He is the guy, but he's the right. guy as in Lamar Miller was the guy back with the mm. Dolphins when everybody kept wanting him to get more touches and they kept keeping him in that 14 to 18 range. And then you see Lamar Miller get more touches when he leaves this team 
and he fails at producing more. He was basically less efficient giving you the same numbers with more touches because he's not built for that. Same thing with Jarek McKinnon. McKinnon will be fine as a high-end RB2 in fantasy. He's not a bell cow. He's not going to touch the ball 20-plus times every single week. Sure, there'll be some games, but those are more the rarities than the, the actual consistency of every single week getting that kind of workload because he's not made for it. You don't want him to have that. You don't want Lamar Miller to have that. You don't want those running backs to take that kind of workload. One, because they lose their efficiency on their own, and then two, you increase the risk of injury. And you said about Shanahan loves old. Shanahan's still out there banging the table for his boy Joe Williams that he drafted, and he's out there talking about how Matt Breida looks great again. So Breida, and whether it's Williams or somebody else, is going to take some away from him. McKinnon is going to lead the backfield, but it's going to lead the backfield like Miller led the backfield with the Dolphins, which isn't a bad thing. It's just people need to chill out with thinking that you know he has top 10 potential. Yeah, absolutely. I see. I do see him as an RB two going into this year, though. You asked. Uh, you mentioned Joe Williams and Matt Breida. Uh, you know, going into last year, Jake, I thought that Joe Williams. I thought that I was going to be ahead of the game with Joe Williams. I thought everyone was. Uh, and then he got hurt. You know, he was a guy that I was looking at at this point of the year last year. You know, there was a lot of buzz and a lot of oh my god, this guy's impressive in camp. And then he went and got hurt. Do you think it's going to be Williams or do you think it's going to be Breida? that, you know, support McKinnon. And because I think this is an interesting role, especially if you say McKinnon is not built to be that guy. Whoever the RB2 is for San Francisco is going to get some love. Remember, you know, Shanahan saying that this guy is going to play the Devontae Freeman role. Well, Devontae Freeman also had Tevin Coleman, who is definitely viable on fantasy rosters. So if the same thing holds true in San Francisco, should we be targeting Breida or Joe Williams? I'm not targeting either one of them because it it could be either. The fact is Williams is very similar to Tevin Coleman, which is a little less passing ability, but he has some abilities. It's very similar skill set, body type, potential-wise. But So he could end up being the number two, especially, you know, they drafted him and they drafted him kind of early when you consider Mm -hmm. about drafting where you draft running backs. So if he's healthy and he is the Joe Williams from before, but is it? It's going to happen. There's a lot to ask of him. And then you look at Brita, who's Brita's a nice talent, but Brita's not. If you gave them both side by side, who's more talented? It's Williams. And it's not, it's not by a huge gap, but that's why I would say neither of them, because I think that's, it's kind of an iffy situation right now. If I was forced, I'd go Brita first, just because he did it last year, and you have to basically unseat Brita. But right. at the fact is, is, this is one of those ones where drafting early, I'm going to more so avoid the situation than drafting late because I'll want whoever clears it up. But right now it feels like I'm flipping a coin. All right, fair enough. So we need to get a little bit more clarity there. I do remember also something like uh, didn't uh, the proverbial uh, uh, Kyle Shanahan and uh, pound the table to go up and draft Joe Williams. I think it was like in the third round maybe last year. They really liked this kid out of, U- I think it was Utah, even though he like left the team and stuff like that. Interesting case, Joe Williams. But to your point, Jake, if you're drafting this early, you got to, you know, you got to speculate on some level. This will definitely be one of the kind of camp battles we're watching to see what that, how that San Francisco running back room shakes out. Listen, I got to tell everybody, Jake, before we go to break, 
this is the time. If you haven't done it yet, go on over to mybookie.ag. Enter the promo code FANTASY, F-N-T-S-Y. You will get a 50% deposit bonus. Jake, I don't know. This might be the best day ever to do it. I mean, New Jersey is officially taking sports bets in a couple of hours. You got the U.S. Open that has, you know, just teed off. Some guys are on the course already. Aaron Badley and Patrick Reed are already two under, right? Um, you got the World Cup starting in, you know, uh, just a couple of hours over there in Russia. Jake, I'm telling everybody right now in this opener uh, where Russia versus Saudi Arabia, I'm telling you, there's no way that the Russian bots and the troll farms are going to let Russia lose the opener to a country like Saudi Arabia. Go no, on over gonna, to mybookie.ag no, no. Gonna, and bet the money line on Russia. You think it's a draw? You think it's a draw yeah. today? I don't know. I think I think Russia will do whatever they need to do to make sure that they get off on the good foot in front of the world stage. Uh, I think all the stray dogs will, uh, you know, do something together out there and make it happen. I would go over to mybookie.ag and put a couple of shekels on Russia Moneyline to win that opener. But I digress. We may be touching on this for the next month or so. When we come back, though, Jake, listen, we've been talking about the NFC North. We've been talking about the NFC North. We talked about the Detroit Lions and Jim Bob Cooter yesterday. Today, how do you feel about going up to the frozen tundra of Lambeau Field? I think we know a lot there. We know about Aaron Rodgers, but there was somebody in the backfield, Jake, that at this point last year, you were very high on, and 12 months later, I think it's coming to fruition. Uh, I have a couple of bold predictions as well. We got to see what Jimmy Graham does uh, there for uh, you know Green Bay. I think the Packers proved to be a very interesting team to preview moving forward. Are you ready for some bold predictions on the Green Bay Packers, Jake? Sure. Are you sure, though? I don't know if you're ready because, you know, I'm asking you questions today. You're like, hey, what's the question? Hey, are you sure? But I just want to make sure you are ready to go for the Green Bay Packers and yeah, Aaron Rodgers, whether it's Danica Patrick, one because, Olivia you gave, Munn, whatever the you case You gave a be. eulogy for Reggie Bush, and, I, and then you just like you were done, and I wasn't sure what the question was. I'm sorry for trying to get some clarification. That's okay. And listen, listen, the Packers, for example, they have a back slash wide receiver that they may be trying to use in this way as well. We're talking about Ty Montgomery. I'd be very interested to see how you think that shakes out. He's a guy who also not able to kind of fully handle the load at the running back position. Will it be him? Will it be Aaron Jones? Will it be Jamal Williams? I know what you think because I read rotoexperts.com. I read all of your work, Jake, one of the expert rankers. I know you were very, very high on one of these Packers running backs coming out of the draft last year. We'll tell everybody who that is. I will give you the floor to be able to gloat because you are absolutely right. We will do all that and more. We'll make some Roto Cleo picks and we'll preview the second round of our face of baseball bracket when we come back. Jake Seeley and Dane Martinez. It's Roto Experts in the morning right here on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Want a chance to win two tickets to a 2018 World Series game? Go to dailyrotocom slash DKMS. There you'll find a link to a free DFS baseball contest every day. The contests are sponsored by DKMS, and they're looking for your help in the fight against blood cancer. For many patients, a bone marrow transplant is the best chance for survival. Find out how you can help and play in free DFS contests with a shot at winning two tickets to a 2018 World Series game. Go to dailyrotocom slash DKMS. That's dailyrotocom slash DKMS. 
Welcome back to Roto Experts in the Morning. Right yeah. here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. We got the beat bumping with Jake Seeley and Dane Martinez. Hey, Jake, in the 7 o'clock hour, our guy Chris Bavona, the manimal down there in the Fantasy Pit of Misery, he played a Kiss song coming back from commercial, and yo, Scott Angle went off. He loves him some Kiss. Are you familiar with how much Scott Angle loves Kiss and how much he gets dressed up like Kiss with the face paint and the whole nine? Uh, I've known Scott for almost 10 years, so yeah. I know, but I'm just saying, he sent me a picture uh, mid-segment, and I was like, wow, this dude is serious about that. I was thinking maybe we all need to go as Kiss together in Halloween or something like that. How do you feel about that, Jake? Not on your life. No, 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 I can't get you to dress up with a little face paint, the long tongue, a little Gene Simmons action. That wouldn't interest you, no? Mm, What did I just say? You want to ask me for third time? Yeah, maybe. Maybe I will at the end of this segment. But before I do that, we got to dive into the NFC North and the Green Bay Packers. Listen, Jake, you know, a lot of people think that they will be right back to prominence with the return of Aaron Rodgers. Listen, Jake, let me ask you, are... I, I talk all the time about waiting for quarterback. We touched on this with Matthew Stafford, Philip Rivers, and others. Aaron Rodgers is known as, you know, obviously a top one or two quarterback in the entire NFL. Is he the exception to the rule, Jake? Are you okay with drafting Rodgers in like the, you know, whatever, the second, third round? Or are you completely waiting on quarterback even if you have an opportunity to get Aaron Rodgers? No, there's no way on earth I'm drafting Aaron Rodgers in the second, third round. If he falls to the fifth, Sure, we'll sure. talk then, but I, there's, I'm never taking a quarterback in the first four rounds. I don't care who it is. All right, never. absolutely. I agree with you, Jake. You know, so I just want to make sure we reinforce that for the listeners, for the fans who are starting their drafting process. Here at Roto Experts in the morning, we say stay away from the top-end quarterbacks. You will do just fine You know, being the last or the second-to-last person drafting quarterbacks on in your league, and you'll still wind up, like I said, you know, I'm, I'm spitballing here, but you could easily wind up with a Stafford, with a Rivers, uh, even with a Matt Ryan, to be quite honest, you know, if you let the draft fall to you. Jake, before the break, I was talking about how you uh, accurately called after last year's draft, who I think is going to be the kind of lead back in this Green Bay backfield. It is Jamal Williams, second-year pro. Uh, Give me a little bit of the thumbnail sketch on Jamal Williams. Why were you high on him even last year? Uh, Well, uh, I'm glad you said last year, though, because let's keep it at last year for now. But so uh, anyway, well, we'll get to that in a second. But Jamal Williams is basically what I said when he was coming out is he's got the best. uh, I joked about it, but he's got the Madden moves. It's like you hit a button and he has like he has a spin move. He has a good stiff arm. He's got a good juke. He can bowl you over. He can skip, you know, sidestep. He's got good lateral ability. He's got everything you want. And a running back, and he's a good pass blocker, and he's decent in the passing game. He's just a good all-around running back with some great skills. He's not elite at any level, but because he's above average in everything and then great in some things, he's a great all-around running back. And I just thought that he was the best opportunity here. Is Aaron Jones has some explosiveness, but he's lacking in some areas. Like He has areas where he's below average. And you look at Ty Montgomery. Ty Montgomery, I was a fan of Ty Montgomery 
Montgomery when he came into college. And if you go back and look at my draft write-up for him, it even says is somebody needs to figure out how to use them, and they're going to have value on their hands. But the problem was is where. And I was speculating at that time, mostly in the return game, whether punts or kickoffs or both, uh, what they did was very interesting, and you saw his ability. But at the same time, to go back to this whole Christian McCaffrey, and, all this, and now he is bigger than them because you know, he's taller to begin with. But he's also lean, and you can see that he's just not built to be a true running back. He got hurt twice and then got hurt significantly the second time. And I think that they move him more to back to wide receiver. And I think maybe Jerome Allison, him, and the other pieces like Jamal Moore end up becoming part of that third wide receiver. And that's a collection I don't want it to really deal with. And I think the backfield is going to come down to Williams and Jones for the most part. All right, fair enough. So we got Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones. We still try to find the place for Ty Montgomery. The new addition on this team, Jake, is at the tight end position, Jimmy Graham. You know, he never really kind of uh, fulfilled expectations in his stint in Seattle. Are we going to see Jimmy Graham return to the Saints form? Or is he going to be just kind of a red zone target? Or do you see him as a big part of this offense in between the 20s as well? Jimmy Graham now with Green Bay. No, so, well, I'll, I'll, real quick, I want to go back so you don't want to know okay. what I was – I thought you were going to ask me about Jamal Williams for this year. If that's it? You were oh, just, that's you know, it. I asked you about Jamal Williams, and I was like, oh, he's going to give his old take. But that was just last year. Go ahead. You can take it wherever you'd like, Jay. Give me some Jimmy Graham. Give me Jamal Williams for 2018. No, see, so that's what I figured you're going to follow up with. Is so you expect, No, I actually have Jamal Williams as an RB3, and Aaron Jones not huh. that far behind him. I'm not screwing around this year because I don't think the Packers are going to go in there with Jamal Williams as the bell cow, as the lead back. I think some weeks it might even be Aaron Jones. So, no, this year it's a little bit different staying than last away. season. Yeah, so, so you stay away because that clear, this, this committee. Not staying away, but it's going to be deeper into the draft that I draft them. And it'll probably be – I'd rather be the person who takes whichever one's left. If somebody takes Aaron Jones first, I'll take Jamal Williams. If somebody right. takes Jamal Williams first, I'll take Aaron Jones. So I just want to make that clear because you make it sound like um, – Well, you did last year. Uh, I loved him for his talent. I thought he was going to lead the backfield. All right, fair enough. So you think it's more of a committee. And that being said, you'd rather take the guy who falls. So that's similar to what I was saying, uh, Jake, with the, with the Jets wide receivers, right? I'm not going to take Robbie Anderson. I'm going to take whichever one might be a value that will fall later to me. You're thinking similarly with the Green Bay room, this is going to be a straight-up committee. I agree with you. Let's talk a little Jimmy Graham now, okay? How do you feel about right. that? Uh, is he going to be just red yeah, zone? I, I remember your question. Jordan Spieth's falling apart, by the way, sidebar. Uh, so Jimmy Graham, he, look, he's never getting back to the Saints ways. He's not going to start putting up 1,100 yards and 12 touchdowns. It's, just not, it's not who he is anymore. It's not who any offense he's in is shaped to be anymore when he was the focal point with Marquise Colston. It's just not. So Jimmy Graham at this point, though, as you the second part, uh, their second option you gave – was a red zone opportunity here with you know no Jordy Nelson. As I just mentioned with the wide receiver position, they're looking for Geronimo Allison to step up. They're looking for potentially two. They drafted two rook, three rookies actually. I don't think Equinemius St. Brown's going to do anything. You know that. Uh, but the <laughs> fact is that whether it's Jamal Moore or whoever it might be, they're asking somebody to step up there. They might, as I said, move Ty Montgomery back to the line of scrimmage to be wide receiver-ish some routes, some games because they need options. So that's the entire situation is Jimmy Graham is is one of the top three options, but he could easily go out there and put up seven to 800 yards, eight to 10 touchdowns, and that's going to put him in the top five, top six tight end conversation. 
Fair enough. Justin Spieth, plus four after only two holes there at the U.S. Open in Shinnecock. Let me ask you, though, about Jimmy Graham, okay? Because with the name the name recognition that he has, Jake, you know, people are going to draft him, you know, I don't know, as like, you know, in that mid, uh, you know, tight end, I don't know, six, seven, eight, something like that. People are going to – I think people are going to take the chance on Jimmy Graham earlier just because of the name recognition. He's not – because of that, he's not going to be on many of my teams. I'm going to wait. If I don't get one of these top three tight ends, I'm going to wait longer, you know, for some of these diamonds in the rough. I was talking about the Trey Burtons of the world and stuff. So do you think Jimmy Graham will be inflated, though, uh, his ADP, just because of the name recognition? Yeah, he's going around there about where he should, the 6th, 7th, 8th, even, yeah. you know, like I said, 6th tight end off the board at max. But the problem is, is where that is in rounds, I'm not paying where it's going in rounds because where it's going there is just too high. You, you know, the fact is, I'm not taking Jimmy Graham in the 6th round. I'll take him as the 6th tight end, but I'm not taking him in the 6th round. It's two different things. Yeah, no, of course, uh, you know, that tight end run will happen a little bit later than that in drafts. All right, Jake. Uh, you know, sometimes you don't think my predictions are that bold. Sometimes, you know, because you have rankings and, you know, you're ahead of the game as well. But I could not be higher on Devontae Adams this year, Jake. You know, um, there are some teams that we talk about, you know, you know, I use the term the fantasy herd, blah, blah, blah. But I think Devontae Adams is going to be much more like a DeAndre Hopkins this year, the absolute obvious number one target guy. I wouldn't be surprised to see Devontae Adams get, you know, 150 targets this year. I wouldn't be surprised to see Devontae Adams get to 90 catches, get to 1,100 yards. This is a guy who always had a knack for scoring as well in the end zone. He had that one year, I believe it was like 14 touchdowns. And touchdowns are fluky year to year, but Devontae Adams seems to be a guy who, uh, you know, is a big red zone threat. They lose Jordy Nelson. I think Randall Cobb regresses as well. Jake, how crazy would I be if I say I think Devontae Adams can finish as high as wide receiver four this year in fantasy? Mm, it's mildly bold. Mildly bold. Where do you have him? Sixth. Six. All right. So I see, you know, you're already high on him as well. But I'll give you Antonio Brown. I'll give you DeAndre Hopkins. You know, you want to take Odell Beckham? Sure. But I love the fact that this is going to be like the obvious you know, the obvious number one target guy for Aaron Rodgers coming back. So you think he's wide receiver six already as well. So you also agree you see the ascension of Devontae Adams happening this year. You're not worried about concussions. You're not worried about anything else in Green Bay. Jimmy Graham stealing some of the touchdowns away. You're also, um, you're, I don't want to say high, but you're also in support of Devontae Adams being a, a, a top flight, uh, you know, maybe an early second round pick. No, it's no, it's not this year. It was it's already been done. It was high last year when I was telling everybody it was a wide receiver one. So it's you're too late. You're late to the party. I'm late to the party, thus not as bold. Okay, Jake, show me how it's done. <laughs> what is your bold prediction for the Green Bay Packers? No, see, I told you it's mildly bold. I I don't I don't mind the fact <laughs> I don't mind it cuz top 4 or five, I mean, that's, I mean, I'll have him six. That's why I said mildly. That's a heck of a conversation that you could have put him in there with Odell Beckham and the rest of those guys. And you said DeAndre Hopkins. So it's mildly bold. I gave you credit for that. Uh, I actually said the bold prediction for the Roto Exclusive Exclusive Edge package was that Randall Cobb is a top 25 wide receiver again. That would be bold. I see him as more of a flex play. So what does that mean? Does that mean he gets he, he's grabbing 75 balls, Jake? Is he, he's getting eight, 800 yards. Is that number two guy in the slot? He kind of returns to prominence to do that? 
Yeah, he's back to being Randall. Actually, Randall Cobb's better days were better than that. I mean, Randall Cobb finished wide receiver one one year with Jordy Nelson, so it's not the first time it'll ever happen. But, yes, Randall Cobb is back to catching significant amount of – I was trying to word that differently and not just say what you said. <laughs> Because it's just it's not the best way to say, but, but he should what? get back to. Oh, look, he should get back to about eighty receptions. He should get back to about I'd say a high nine hundred, a thousand plus yards. And you know, with this offense, that means seven to eight touchdowns, possibly even more, are coming. But you're going to give him seventy nine hundred and eight. That's going to make you a top twenty five wide receiver. All right, so Randall Cobb and Devontae Adams both have a chance to impress fantasy owners this season. Jake, real quick, I want to look at their schedule. Listen, I look at when teams have back-to-back road games because that second road game is always pretty tough, right? Excuse me, and I think I like how it sets up for the Packers because they get them as kind of sacrificial lambs anyway. Here's what I mean. Week 8 at Los Angeles, then week 9 in the second part of a back-to-back, they have to go to New England. Right, So you chalk that up probably as a loss, but you were going to chalk that up as a loss anyway, maybe in their schedule. And there's another spot in their schedule that it happens. I think the schedule works good for Green Bay. Are you a Green Bay guy or a Minnesota guy in the NFC North, Jake? Uh, If Aaron Rodgers is playing 16 games, it's always going to be Green Bay. All right, fair enough. So Jake likes Green Bay. I may trend a little bit towards Minnesota. We still have two teams in the NFC North to preview. We'll be talking about the Chicago Bears and the Minnesota Vikings as we move along. But, Jake, we only got a couple minutes left. Let's talk a little bit here about Roto-Cleo. Um, I'm going to tell you right now, Jake, uh, I was talking with Scott about this. The Mets offense is absolutely ridiculous. You know, I mean, Jacob DeGrom pitching to a 0.87 ERA in his last 10 games, and the Mets are 2-8 and eight in those games. They're averaging something like three hits over their last two weeks, 15 runs in their last 11 games. So I'm just going to go hardcore against the Mets. And what that means is I am actually picking Matt Cooch to get a quality start today for the Arizona Diamondbacks. And Vargas is on the hill on the other side. My man Paul Goldschmidt is hot as hell right now. I'm taking Goldie to get a hit. I'm taking Matt Cooch to get a quality start, not a win, because I don't know if he goes long. You know, I don't know how long he stays. But I like him to get the quality start. I like Goldie to get the hit. I'm just attacking the Mets today, Jake. Mm, I, I can't blame you. <laughs> you know, I mean, is it? But do you think, like, the, what's going on with by this the team? Way, what? Yeah, hold on. It's Cook, by the way, just so you know. Uh, you got to talk to your boy Scotty, uh, Scotty Angle. No, so that's, that's wrong. Exactly, baseball, that's exactly what I said. That's exactly what I said in the 7 o'clock hour, and he corrected me the other way. I got well, you guys correcting sc- me from both sides. Well, no, I'm not. I'm, baseball reference is correcting you. Okay. Well, I am taking the starter for the Arizona Diamondbacks today, yeah. attacking well, the you're, no, Mets See, you were right to begin with. You got incorrectly corrected. So if you go, <laughs> to, if you go to baseball reference, because the only reason I know this is because we were talking about him on FST one day. And, okay. and remember Billy Koch? And you actually, his yeah. was Koch. So that's why that we were looking at That was closer to Oakland because, for a while, right? Right, because that's the fact. This is like we don't. Oh, it was trying to figure out because like sometimes people like so. Billy Koch was Koch, but right underneath him on BaseballReference.com, Matt Cook is K O C H. Matt Cook, not Matt Koch, for some reason. So well, don't thank know you why. for the clarification. My pronunciation is far better now because I've got the All In Kid eight to nine a.m. every. Hey, day. I don't know all of them, right. I, but I always double check just just for everybody. Fair enough. I appreciate that. Where are you going today? Uh, today is terrible, but uh, I'm going to go with an offense the that I trust like more. 
No, I'm going to go with – so everybody's so super excited about Carlos Rodon, and I, I've never been a huge fan of his, but he's got Clevenger, who's pitched very well, and I've been a fan of Clevenger on the other side. This is a sketchy kind of game, uh, but I'm going to take the Indians' offense to hopefully get Clevenger the win. Okay, so you like Clevenger. Listen, Jake, uh, you tell me about your, your, your hitter in a second. I threw out to Scott, would you rather have the Indians – rotation and bullpen or the Astros rotation and bullpen right now? Because like Kluber and Verlander are kind of straight up Cole and Bauer kind of cancel oh, no. each other out. Then you look at it's Morton. Not, it's, Ast- it's, it's what? Astros. It's, not, it's Astros. Yeah. Easy. Even Easy. when you consider the bullpen? Even when you consider the bullpen? Easy. Easy. All right. Fair enough. Where are you going with your hitter today? I have no idea. There's uh, we'll <laughs> say look, you saw, I, you know, look, Gary Sanchez didn't play, so I swapped to Mazzara and Mazzara so didn't Mazzara. Uh, I'll take Castellanos to get a home run against Lance Lynn. Lance Lynn's been so up and down this year. All right, fair enough. Nick Castellanos to go yard or to get a hit? Yard. You weren't listening. All right, to get a home run. He's going Castellanos and Clevenger. You were too busy typing. I'm typing in here. I'm all over the Arizona Diamondbacks. Check check the scores. Uh, Justin Spieth not doing it. Our guy Paul Casey is out there, plus one. That was uh, Colin Drew's pick. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll talk about U.S. Open. We'll talk second round of our face of baseball. A lot of stuff to do as we slide into a summer weekend for the all-in kid, Jake Seeley. I'm spitting statistician Dane Martinez. Carton and Friends is up next. Roto Experts in the morning. See you tomorrow right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network.